0: Preach for just a moment. If you'll turn with me, to the book of Genesis, chapter three. I nothing I say tonight is new. Of course, really, there really is nothing new under the sun. In fact, if a preacher starts talk talking about something new, I'm going to tell you, you might as well just run because there's really nothing new under the sun. We have the Bible, and and it hasn't changed. And uh, we may we may preach a different way or you know uh, uh, I might tell a story a little bit differently, but the truth that's contained in the Bible is already there but so everything I preach tonight is is nothing new and especially for you here tonight uh, there's nothing new but I want to link and connect some dots if I can and uh, if you if you have your your Bibles I want to just invite you to turn well well I want you to go there but I'm going to read one verse before I do that and it's found in the book of Hebrews. And the Bible says in the book of Hebrews chapter 12 in verse 2 looking to Jesus the founder, the perfecter the King James says the author and the finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint hearted. For a while now that 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 thought that He endured the cross and despised the shame has been uh, something that I think about quite often, and I want to link and, and connect the dots if I can. You can be seated, but keeping your Bibles open there to Genesis chapter 3, and and we'll begin to allow the Word of God to unfold. Genesis chapter 3 is one of the saddest parts of the Bible because it's where the beginning of of the fall of man and sin is. Let's... Uh, let, let's do a little uh, question and answer. Can somebody tell me, and I want you to just call it out if you want to, can somebody tell me what the greatest commandment in the Bible is? Love the Lord, that God, with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and strength. That's the greatest commandment. Does anybody remember what the second commandment, the second greatest commandment is? Love your neighbor as yourself. It's interesting to find that those two greatest commandments and the Bible says upon those two hang all the other words of the prophet and the law and it is though that the first two sins recorded in the Bible fall under those the first sin of the Bible love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul with all your mind with all your strength keep His commandments was broken there and the guard and the serpent more crafty than any of the other beasts of the field that the Lord has made And here we find the the introduction of two voices. Adam and Eve had grown, if you will. They had walked with God. They had and should have heard the voice of God. And now another voice enters the picture, the voice of Satan. He says to the woman, did God really say, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And of course you've heard me preach this time and time again. Eve didn't really know what the word of God said she responds by saying well the Lord told us we can eat of the fruit of the garden but we can't eat of the fruit that's in the midst of the garden we can't even touch it lest we die which is not at all what God had said the serpent understanding that that Eve has already started out on shaky theological foundation begins to push and begin to pull at that thread by saying the, the, the Lord uh, you, you know he, he doesn't really you're not going to die if you eat of the that tree that's there contained in the garden the tree of the knowledge good and evil if you eat of that fruit you're not going to really die in fact here's why God doesn't want you to eat it because in the day that you eat of that your eyes will be open and you will be like God knowing good and evil let me just kind of take a, a tangent for a moment. It's not quite as simply put as that, that you would know good and evil, but rather what I would like to tell you is that what it says, you will be like God, the true thing that Satan was saying was you will be able to decide what is good and what is evil. You will be like God, and so then you can kind of make up your own rules. It's the same problem today that you and I find that that people have decided, I don't really need God's word. And if God's word says something that maybe is a little too harsh for my liking, I can have the ability to soften God's word or even completely go against God's word and still be okay. That's what Satan was saying. You'll be like God and you'll be able to make your own decisions. What is good and what is evil. The woman saw the tree was good for food. She saw that it was a delight to the eyes. It was a tree desired to make one wise, if you will. And so she took the fruit and she ate. She gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. That verse saddens me because perhaps in the the, the childish understandings of the story, we get this idea that Eve is just tromping through the garden doing whatever she wants to do and Satan tempts her, deceives her and then she goes and she deceives Adam, but the understanding is Adam was with her the whole time. It tells me that Eve could have been deceived, but Adam was not deceived. Adam knew better. He was there, and he did nothing. He missed his opportunity to protect his family. But there, the Bible says, they ate them. And the eyes of both were open, and they knew that they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together, and they made themselves loincloths. They heard the voice of the Lord of God walking in the cool of the garden of that day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord called the man and said, Adam, where are you? And Adam's response is sad. He says, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. The Lord's response is, Who told you that? Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to eat? And the man said, The woman that you gave me, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate. And the Lord said unto the woman, What is it that you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me and I ate. There's four things that happen in this moment of sin. The first thing is, there was shame, and I'm going to come back to this shame. The second thing is, there was fear. The third, they begin to lie. And the fourth, they begin to shift the blame. Well, Lord, it wasn't me, it's the woman you gave me. And the woman says, it wasn't me, it was the serpent. And they begin to shift the blame. They, they blame God, they blame the woman. And all of this happens, and... To, to really, and I don't I'm not trying to belabor the point, I'm not trying to, to, to paint some mental picture, but but you have to understand, these are the only two people in the entire world. There's nobody else, it's just Adam and Eve. In 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 all points, and I mean I know there wasn't a marriage ceremony, I get that, but they aren't married. It's it's literally bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. It's, it's God that took a rib out of Adam and created woman. I mean, you can't get more connected than that. They were a family, and so it is that you begin to look at the shame, and it's interesting. You have two, again, I'm not trying to get your minds in the gutter or the wrong area, but you got two married people. They're the only two people in the whole world. They've lived like this as long as God has, has, has created them, and then all of a sudden, after one moment... They look and they say we're naked and shame enters in. Sin caused a godly marriage to have shame. This word shame is interesting to me. It's I I later on perhaps I'll tell you how this sermon kind of began to grow inside of me. And as I begin to study it and as I begin to look at, I sort of was heading one direction, but I kept coming back to the shame we kept finding that place there here they are guilt for the first time in creation is an emotion that Adam and Eve don't know how to how to f- work with they they're guilty they they know they've done something they ought not do and it's not just the condemnation of the punishment of God and and I will tell you that they they probably began to, to, as soon as they did it, they probably began to realize, man, we messed up. And they began to think of the punishment. But more than even the punishment that God would have to uh, uh, mete out, it was the shame that began to affect them. They realize we've broken the covenant of God. We've sinned. And, and now they, they hide from each other, if you will. They're, they're hiding from each other's eyes it's, it's shame it's it's brokenness and, and first off I think that you need to understand from the very beginning of the word of God there is mercy because have you ever noticed how cruel people are probably some of you even you uh you find one little weakness in somebody and man, you pick at that until it unravels. You ever notice that? Even if you think you're funny. Have you ever noticed how... Take a comedian. A comedian will find one thing and just pick at it and pick at it and pick at it and humanity and all that we do, if somebody is is guilty, we like to show the whole world their sin. We like to show the whole world their shame. We put them on display. But what do you find God immediately did God immediately reached down, picked up fig leaves, made aprons for him, and he covered their shame. God's not interested in throwing you out. God's not interested in, in 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 parading all of your faults and failures. That's not how God works. The devil tells you that that's how God works, but that's not how God works. If you'll ever read your Bible, he covered their their sin. He covered their shame. And and. As you walk through the Word of God, you find that that shame continues. But the problem is, there's a true shame and a false shame that's connected to it. There ought to be, I mean, Zeke back there, I don't know if he's asleep, he's probably asleep by now, but Zeke back there, he's two years old, and even right now in his two-year-old knowledge, he knows when he does something does something wrong you can't find him because he'll go put himself almost in the corner you ever notice that I mean if you'd like I'll even take it a step further even your dog knows shame you'll be looking and your dog's going and so there is an element of of, of true shame that when we have done something wrong it it ought to shame us to be something that, that causes us to realize we've sinned and come short of the glory of God. But as humanity began to progress and you can read it through it, uh, through the word of God, there was a, a false shame in this fallen world it became evident that there were rebellious sinners And instead of repenting of their sin Instead of doing something with their shame Instead of coming to the Lord And throwing themselves at the mercies of the Lord They embraced their shame And Isaiah says it this way Isaiah 520 Woe to those who call evil good And good evil who put darkness for light And light for darkness Who put bitter for sweet And sweet for bitter it became a place where they embraced their shame and openly flaunted. Philippians 3.19 says, The end of them is destruction. Their God is their belly. And they glory in their shame. They rejoice in their shame. They they don't care. They're proud of it. A uh, proverb says it's those that forsake the paths of righteousness to walk in the ways of darkness. They rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil. Jude put it this way. Jude chapter 13, or, or Jude verse 13. There's only one chapter. Jude chapter Jude verse 13 they're raging wild waves of the sea casting up the foam of their own shame so it is that we find that humanity begin to walk away in the presence of God 1 Peter chapter 4 put it this way for the time that passed it suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do they live in sensuality and passions and drunkenness and orgies and drinking parties and lawless idolatry and with respect to this they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery it was humanity just fell into that shame and embraced it when somebody doesn't feel bad of their shame they have no desire to change their shame it's hard to tell someone they need to repent of their sin if they don't think they've done anything wrong and they begin to call good evil and evil good and, and they it's that shame and so humanity walks the path of the fallen broken and and. Shamed and, and if I could even just use the, the phrase naked, that they are stripped bare. All the world can see their faults and see their failures. And then you have Jesus. If you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to the book of Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5 tells us a, a complete story and it begins to connect the dots. And it's how I'm trying to do tonight book of Romans chapter 5, it says, therefore, just as sin came through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all have sinned, it goes on to say that if one man's sin entered into humanity, then by one man, life can come, and it begins to link the dots, that if Adam, the first of humanity, brought sin and brought death into your and I's life, Jesus comes to give you life and that more abundantly. I could start, let's go back to Romans chapter 5, therefore since we've been justified by faith we have peace with God through, uh, uh, through Jesus Christ our Lord in whom we've obtained access by faith into the grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God knowing that we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that sufferings produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope doesn't put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that's been given to us. For while we were yet weak at the right time, God died, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man would one die, it goes on to say, maybe... Maybe if you're a really good person, somebody might give their life for you. But we don't usually operate like that. But God showed his love to you and I that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And now we've been justified by his blood so much more that we will be saved by him from the wrath of God. For while we were yet enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more now we're reconciled shall we be saved by his Life, and then it goes on to tell you all the things, and and how Adam and 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 the sin of Adam brought the death of, of sin into humanity, and and we're all sin and come short of the glory of God. David said, "I was born in sin and shaping in iniquity, and, and 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 no one has to teach you how to sin; it's just built in now to our DNA." But then you have Hebrews chapter twelve. Looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. If, the shame of Adam and Eve was predicated partly on the fact that it opened them up, it laid them bare, it laid it, it caused them to, to see through the facade. They say, I'm, I'm naked, I'm ashamed. And yet you find even Jesus was stripped of His garments and shamed. He carried our sins, He carried our shame to Calvary. And He did that and He didn't deserve any of it. They came up with all sorts of of, of ideas of what he's done. They, they made up all sorts of, of false accusations against him, but nothing they said stuck. Nothing they said uh, was true. He didn't have any of that. He could have held his head high and said, I've not sinned one time. I've not succumbed to temptation one time. But I'll gladly bear your shame. I'll gladly bear your brokenness. See, I was... I've been thinking of some of this. Romans chapter 5 and Hebrews chapter 12 have been on my mind. This last week, uh, my wife and I, through our involvement with Children's Ministries and the Association of Children's Evangelists that we direct, uh, we, we went to Branson for a series of executive meetings that were there. And we had a great time looking forward to next year and what God's doing on a global scale. Uh, with children and children's ministries and children's evangelism, it's, it's just incredible, and you're going to hear a whole lot more about it as we, as we move forward. But one of the things we were able to do is have a little bit of fun, and so it was that uh, Thursday night we got to go to Sight and Sound Theater and we got to see the, the Christmas story. It's the only uh, play at Sight and Sound Theater that I had never seen before. I've seen Moses and Noah and Jonah and and Joseph and. And, 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 you know, all of those. It was great, but I'd never seen this one. Now, I, I don't know that they got it completely right. Uh, at one point, they they had a, a scene from heaven, and it was kind of interesting. They had Father, Son, Holy Ghost all talking to each other, and I leaned over to my wife, and I said, so close. So close. Then Then, you know, God tells, this is all false, okay, just in case anybody's recording it. just Everything I say until I tell you otherwise, it's false. They said, uh, you know, God the Father looked at Jesus and said, I'm sending you down to, to, to be the, the Savior and the Messiah. And then later on, it's so beautiful, they have all of that, and they're holding baby Jesus, and they say it's God with us. Emmanuel, God the Father, and I'm just so close. But in this, the first part of the play. They, they took some creative liberties. And they told the story. And the one thing that that they told so eloquently was what Mary would have had to go through. Mary, who was betrothed to Joseph, it was a a, a legal engagement, but yet they, they, they were not completely married, but still they were expected to, to, to live uh, accordingly to the law of God. And if there had been any impropriety, if there were was any uh, uh, premarital sex if there was any adultery or fornication then the, the only explanation would have been to go back to the law of Moses and to have her stoned and they portrayed that so beautifully I mean how do you tell your mom yeah, I've, I've, I've never been with a man but I'm pregnant how do you tell your, the, the one that you're betrothed to I don't really know how it happened God came and, and now I'm expecting And they they played all of that emotions And as it was going I began to realize that even Even if it started when I was a child When I came into this And I remember the moment I repented of my sins And I remember the moment That I, I, I looked at Jesus And I said I've sinned Forgive me of my sin And it, at that point it wasn't just words It wasn't just what I'd heard the preacher say At that point I really meant it I don't know how many sins I could have done at eight years old. I'm sure my mom would have told you a lot of them. But I mean, come on, I'm eight. But I remember when he filled me with the gift of the Holy Ghost. I remember when I was baptized. I have peace with God. And, and go a little bit further that even after you access that, we can rejoice in our sufferings and yeah, life's not always perfect. We know our suffering, it produces endurance. Endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope doesn't put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given us. And while we were weak, He died for you and I. It goes on, for scarcely would one die for a righteous person. Perhaps for a good person, one might dare to die. But God showed His love to me and you that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us we know we've been justified by his blood how much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God and if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his son much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life more than that we rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ whom we have now received reconciliation therefore just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin so that death spread to all men because all have sinned for sin indeed was in the world before the law was given but sin was not counted where there is no law yet death reigned from Adam to Moses even on those who were sinning those who, who maybe they didn't do what Adam did not, they didn't follow the transgression of Adam but the free gift is not like the trespass for if many died through one's man, one man's trespass much more Have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace that one man, Christ Jesus, abounded for many. For the next little bit, it says the same thing, just different ways, but the thing that comes out of that is much more. As great, and I don't mean that as a good thing, I mean that just in terms of of numbers. The sin that transpired in the garden, the shame that was bought on mankind, has led from from Adam and Eve until today. However, many trillions and trillions of people that has been. And so it was that death reigned from Adam. Home. But as great a number that might be, how much more can the grace of Jesus, who says, "I've come to take the shame," and if why one man's trespass, verse seventeen says, death reigned through one man. Much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man Christ, Jesus. Can you stand with me today? The shame that has been there, he took it. We talk about him taking our sin. We talk about him taking our our mistakes, but you also need to know he took your shame. He was laid bare for all the world to see the cross. That that, that crucifixion was not only the most painful way to die, but it was also the most shameful way to die. Hung there between heaven and earth, stripped bare. But He did it for you, and He did it for me.